Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I'm your host, Ruddy Cocker, and this podcast is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start conversations. Each pod, I check in with a special guest. We have a natter and a chat about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we discuss it. My special guest for this episode is a very special young man and one of the youngest guests I've ever had on the podcast. Alfie Fitzsimmons is 14 years old at time of recording and is the founder of Alfie's Squad. Alfie's Squad is a non-profit organisation working to help children bereaved by parental suicide. Alfie started this charity because when he was 8 years old in May 2017, Alfie tragically lost his father Keith to suicide. Keith's suicide naturally shocked and rocked Alfie's world and devastated him and Alfie's mother, who by this point had separated from Alfie's father. Initially, his mother Alison was worried about telling Alfie the truth and told Alfie his dad had had a heart attack. However, even at that age, Alfie knew something wasn't right and realised that his dad had taken his own life. After getting some advice from children's charity Winston Wish, the day after that, Alison then decided to disclose to Alfie in an age-appropriate way that Alfie's dad had taken his own life. Remarkably, despite him losing his father and his main male role model in his life, in the depths of that grief, Alfie wanted to help other young boys and girls not go through what he went through. So, Alfie started Alfie's squad, and since then it has grown and grown and become a support organisation for people in the Merseyside area and hopefully beyond it in the future. In this episode, with the consent of Alfie's wonderful mum, Alison, I speak to Alfie about the impact of losing his dad, how he processed the grief, and why he was initially frustrated by the reaction of the children around him, as kids can jump in and out of those painful emotions quite quickly. We discuss how his mum helped him navigate the grief, channel it, and how he's now found outlets like Alfie's squad and playing football with his mates to help him. We finish by talking about the charity itself, the successes it's had, and what he wants to achieve with it in the future. Alfie is one of the most remarkable young men I've ever come across, and I was privileged to share his story and Alfie's squad on this podcast. So this is how my conversation with Alfie Fitzsimmons from Alfie's squad went. Alfie, welcome to the Just Checking In pod, mate. Thank you very much for letting me check in with you. At time of recording, we are very close to the summer holiday, so I imagine you're looking forward to that. And I imagine you're pretty, uh, you're pretty pleased that Everton stayed up. So how are you, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you feel uh, when that final whistle went? Was it just more relief than anything? I was shaking. Um... <laughs> bit scared. Yeah, I can imagine, mate. I'm a, I'm a Huddersfield Town fan, so relegation battles are not, uh, they're not alien to me either. So yeah, I, I completely get how you're feeling. Your story, Alfie, is one which so many of my listeners will be helped by. And your mum's told me all about how amazing you are, empathetic, compassionate you are, not just to the kids around you, but you know, to everyone in your life. So without further ado, are you ready to start the show, mate? Let's start your podcast by talking about your mental health journey, Alfie. So I usually ask my special guests this question. 
and ask them to go back to their early life in teenage years, but you're still living through your teenage years. So I'm going to tweak this question slightly. So before you went through the grief with your dad, what are your earliest memories? Who's the Alfie we meet right at the start of your life, if you can remember, in some of your earliest memories? I like to think that it's just the same type of person. Yeah, I know I used to ask a lot of questions. That's <laughs> always a good thing. Yeah, I like to think I was a bit less empathetic than I am now. But I think that's due to the grief mm-hmm. that I went through. We'll talk about your dad now because this this life changing moment, as you said. And when I talk to guests about grief, Alf, I don't just talk about the grief itself, but the person that my special guest lost as well. So just tell me first about your dad and some of your favourite memories that you have with him and, and the happy times first before we talk about the sad times. Well, he was a good person. I didn't see him all the time because him and my mum were separated, but he was a good person and I know that I was his main priority. But I know that he was suffering a lot now. I didn't know then because I was like younger than eight. And did he, was he someone that you went to like Everton games, for example, with, or did he take you to things like that? Um, he used to take me to footy on a Saturday and then we we go out sometimes, but he was into okay. footy, but not as much. Right. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't get the footy mad love from him. What kind of dad was he like uh, on the sidelines? Was he a quiet sort of supporter or was he kind of one that's, who was screaming really loudly when you scored? It was just a bit quiet because it wasn't like an actual team. It was more like training thing but. okay you were obviously shielded from this when you were very young Alfie but obviously your mum told me that your dad was ill and, and you kind of understood that a bit more have you gotten older how aware of it were you at the time I knew sometimes that he wasn't well like mm-hmm. I want to go see him but I couldn't because he wasn't feeling well mm-hmm. but now I know that it's like he was going through a bit and your dad died in May 2017 from suicide, Alfie. I know this is a very difficult question, but if you could, can you remember your memories of it when it happened and obviously when, when your mum gave you the news? I remember the day really vividly because I got sent out to the park with my auntie and my cousins to sort of distract me while my mum was finding everything out. And I came back and then I saw my mum's parents in the living room crying. So I knew something was wrong straight away. And then I got brought up to my mum's room, got told and just broke down but when she said your dad I just knew straight away it was one of them where I could just sort of just tell anyway and then eventually said what had happened just sort of broke down and in those sort of weeks and months obviously your mum then disclosed the news straight after to you that your dad had taken his own life what were your kind of overriding emotions like were you completely devastated and upset at the start that did you feel angry did you feel you know what were kind of the emotions that you had in those sort of weeks and months afterwards I was a bit confused because mm-hmm. I only got told that it was suicide the day before the funeral because mm. you know thought they might mention it, but mm-hmm. I'd been told how. So I went two months thinking a heart attack was a suicide, and then I eventually got told properly in, in August of that year. I wasn't angry, but I was more confused. Mm. I was a bit upset, not at him, but like in general, like why it had to be me. And. Obviously, when we're kids and when we're teenagers, our, our school is our world. It's our universe. It's the thing you go to every day. You're still at school now. So I imagine those first few weeks and months when you went back into school were pretty scary because obviously the school, I imagine, were told. Then they had to probably tell your classmates. And I know you probably didn't want that attention, but did it feel like there was quite a lot of attention on you? Yeah, I went back to school. It happened on the Saturday that I went back to school on the Monday and so I just sort of threw myself straight into the deep end. The school offered me like time off, like as much as I needed, but I decided not to. 
But I feel like that was probably one of the best ideas I've had because it sort of like gave me a distraction from everything. But yeah, the first day I sort of got dragged out of the lesson and then the assistant head told everyone and then just walking back in, it was a bit weird because everyone was just staring at me. God. Because if you stick a bunch of seven and eight year olds in a room and tell them something like that, it's not going to go well. Yeah, in hindsight, maybe they could, maybe there was a little bit of a difference they could have done there, but, but I'm sure they did their best this at the time. Yeah. Your mum tells me that when you were trying to process the grief, you and her would sort of lie in bed, you know, for hours every night, just talking about everything you wanted to ask her. How important was that for your mental health and that grieving process? That was quite important because I had, like, I had so many questions and they finally got answered. It was good and I feel like it just helped me a lot. What were the sort of questions that you would ask? Mainly why, and like I just didn't believe it. Even when my mum told me it was a heart attack, I just knew that it wasn't because it could just held there was something weird about it in a way. Mm. Don't know if my mum told you, but on the day of the funeral, I asked if we could take the body home, which is a bit weird, like, but I just wanted to. Did you feel like you needed that for sort of closure? Yeah, I was really confused because just putting it down as a heart attack seemed a bit odd to me because. Even though I was eight, I sort of understood there's something I had to lead up to it. When you were dealing with the grief, Alf, you said in your interview with Nahar on Radio 5 Live that you would get very upset when your school friends would mention suicide around you or the word suicide around you. And you said you thought it was sort of a little bit of like a personal attack on you. Just explain what you meant by that. Um, I wasn't like upset and I didn't feel like it was a personal attack. It's just, it just sort of reminds me a bit of it. Yeah, you get but, triggered by it. Yeah, 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 I'm fine with it now. I sort of got over it by doing it to myself in a way. You know, it's always just having a go at me because like, even when something, even a tiny bit related to it, I just sort of turn it into a joke. Um, <laughs> a dark sense of humour then. <laughs> yeah, people think that's a bit weird, but it's like, if you're it's, not going to laugh about it, then what's the point? So... Yeah. It was your coping mechanism, mate, yeah. and whatever worked for you works for you. Do you know what I mean? I think for people who have gone through sort of intense trauma, and especially because you're English and, and you're you're from Liverpool, we have that sense of humour. And if you can't, exactly, if you can't laugh about these things and you don't own it, do you feel like you've owned it now? Yeah. Excellent, mate. Your mum said that when you were asking a lot of these questions, there was one where you asked, you know, can I catch mental health? Yeah. So at that time, obviously, I, I know you don't think this now, but were you worried or scared that you would become ill like your dad? Yeah, I was worried it was a genetic thing because um, his dad also suffered from mental health issues. Mm -hmm. I sort of presumed that it was a genetic thing and that I'd end up suffering. It was a bit scary. And I also get the sense from your mum that, and talking to you now, that you're not just an extremely empathetic person, you're a very compassionate young man. How did you also support your mum during that period, knowing that she was grieving? I can't really remember, but my mum's always said that the best way for her to heal was by seeing me heal. And what I found very hard and frustrating to hear Alf is that you lost a few friends because of your, your dad's death which wasn't your fault obviously and, and parents I think have this irrational fear that their children would ask them difficult questions because they were exposed to your grief how frustrating was that when you were kind of growing up it was confusing more than anything the main example is there's a family that used to go the walk talks with us and after it happened they just sort of never spoke to us again it's not nice is it no i'm right in saying as well that you also found it maybe a bit confusing when other children would be supportive for you and then sort of two hours later would be back to being in a like good mood and acting yeah. like very normal again and 
I think it's it can be frustrating because we don't understand how kind of child psychology works. And and I've read a lot about this is where kind of unlike adults, children can jump into a pool of very negative emotions, but then jump out of it very quickly. Yeah. However, you had to stay in the pool. How did you deal with that? It sounds selfish, but I sort of wanted to be comforted as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But I sort of, I know now that that's like completely irrational to want. Exactly, mate. Bunch of eight year olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, mate. Of course. <laughs> I want to talk about how you've tried to move forward through this grief, Alfie. And football was a big outlet for you and your mental health. So I understand that you didn't even play football before your dad died. So how has football helped you? I didn't play football for a team. For a team, before, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I still like would have a kick around because I we'll go to like a training thing. Then I got through into a team two weeks after because my mum just sort of wanted to distract me as much as possible. So. It, it's been good. I'm mm. still playing now. And your uh, your position is a goalkeeper, which sometimes can be a position kids get forced into doing rather than one by choice. But you did it by choice, didn't you? So how how, how did you find it when you you started joint and playing it and enjoying it? Well, my cousin was a goalie, and so whenever I went to his, he just sort of like forced me to train with him. And so yeah, I just started started enjoying it. I'm right in saying you now play for two teams and you play football five times a week, so you're a busy lad. How have your teammates helped you in not feeling lonely or isolated and just with that general friendship, really? Yeah, it's good. It obviously doesn't really get mentioned. I don't think it's ever actually been mentioned. But just like knowing that I have people there that we meet, but in a different context, like outside mm-hmm. of school, it's good. It helps. And on the podcast, Alfie, I talk a lot about the importance of physical health and mental health and their relationship with each other. So when you play football, physically you feel good. Does that then help you mentally when it comes to sort of schoolwork or other other things? Yeah, I do feel better mentally because I feel like I've completed more in a day. Like if I've done well in a match, I feel a lot better. And you mentioned there your cousin helped get you into football. He's a goalie as well. And obviously he's a family. So your teammates, I imagine haven't been speaking to you about your dad but how did he support you given that the fa- the family connection and, and when everything happened he's only two years older than me so he didn't really know how to be honest not many people did mm-hmm. but because it's me almost as the family as well they didn't really know him too well they obviously like knew mm-hmm. him but not too well so he's still a big support for me and you've also got a friend whose dad tragically also died on the day of your dad's funeral so you've both been impacted by parental grief which is this huge life event so when you met, obviously you have this shared experience of trauma, but how did that help your friendship, knowing someone who's gone through what you have? Being completely honest, we just sort of take the piss out of each other. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you do. Yeah, I'll just be like sat there doing it on you, calling me fatherless for no reason. It's like, it's completely unmonitored, but I'll send one back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's good. Let's reflect on your mental health journey now Alfie so when I speak to you you seem my friends don't like me saying this but you seem much more older emotionally than a lot of my friends and I'm, I'm a lot older than you how do you think that will stand you in good stead going forward do you have a lot of optimism for how much growth you've got to do and and, and where you can go from here I feel like it's good because being able to sort of I don't know if it's the right phrase but being a bit more emotionally mature I feel like it's a good thing because you need to know they can speak to me about stuff also to understand a bit even though it's not the same does that responsibility and the role you play with your friends does that help you feel good as well by helping them yeah because I feel like they're going to have done something mm. um, and that have helped someone and 
obviously you were in a very different place when you were eight years old and nine years old, Alfie. So I won't ask you to kind of go back and talk to him. But what would you say to anyone who's listening who is either a person who has lost a parent to the same thing that you have, or they are someone who knows someone who's going through what you did? What would you say to them, given what you've gone through? How could you help them? It gets easier and us to talk. I think I said that on the how, but talking is like the main thing that helped me. It sounds cliche because everyone says it, but everyone says it because it's true. And I know there's a lot of stigma, especially around men speaking about their emotions, but it's needed. Otherwise, you'll end up with a lot more people in my situation, which is not really something anyone wants. talked about your mental health journey Alf I want to speak about Alfie Squad and this brilliant organization you've started so tell me first how you came up with the idea and how you turned that huge negative moment you went through into this massive positive and what Alfie Squad does basically. So it started as like a help the homeless campaign because they ran into homeless man going to shops and they realized there's people in a worse situation than me and then eventually it just sort of morphed into Alfie Squad which is a a community interest company to help support children bereaved by suicide. Excellent. You wrote a letter to Everton, your football club that you support, just six months after your dad died. How do you reflect on that moment? Because you sounded like you cringed a little bit in the house interview talking about it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I'm still taking the piss out for it. It's a good thing, but like I waited this so badly. I'm just disappointed in Michelle. You were you were very young, mate. You were you must have been about eight and a half or nine years old, mate. Don't worry, don't worry. You were also just nine years old. I'm right in saying when you did a presentation to a local health authority group. Is that right? And support yeah. group. That's that's a pretty big achievement, mate. Did that feel like it at the time? Yeah, I did a PowerPoint presentation to like a bunch of people that was helped with like setting up the people's place and all that. And I remember there was this one safeguarding person. That just did me head in because he kept on asking questions that already answered. Just didn't pay attention. <laughs> I, I, I remember I had to go back and forth between the slides as he was like asking me questions that I'd already said. Yeah, just shows you even people who work in mental health mate aren't very good at listening, are they? Mm. <laughs> what did you want to change about the conversation around suicide and grief when it comes to young people, mate? That hopefully Alfie Squad can bring about. I feel like I want people to know to talk mainly and that there's not as much of a feeling as is- of isolation as like you think there is. So I remember thinking I was the only person in the world that went through it, but I obviously know that it- I wasn't. And you've now been recognised for your work. You've won four awards, Pride of Sports Young Fundraiser, Everton FC's Fan of the Year, BBC's Make a Difference. God, you've done more work than most people I know in their lifetimes. How did you feel when you won those? Did it feel surreal or did you... Did you have a speech prepared? <laughs> no speech, but it did feel surreal. It was mad. It's, it's a weird feeling because, like, I don't feel like I've done as much as people tell me I have because I can't really see it from a different perspective. Yet. I said it on... You'll get there, mate. <laughs> I said it on the how, how I only, like, I just feel like I just sort of did what should have happened a long time ago. And you've got to work with Everton FC. You've also got to meet several players in the first team at the time how did that feel were you were you starstruck and now are you used to sort of meeting all the celebs now as it's as it sort of become normalized it's no starstruck to be honest at the start that was like a major bonus for me 
being able to meet all the players is a bit strong benefit of everyone. It's like I lose my dad, but I get to speak, meet the Everton players. Fair trade, in my opinion. <laughs> I can see where that sense of humour comes in, mate. If a child or teenager has gone through what you've gone through, Alf, what things do you think they need in that moment and in the years after that Alfie Squad or the government or other charities should provide for them? Not really practical support, but more a space where what we're going to do is it's more of a space where like you can talk if you want, but it's mainly just to do whatever. So we've got loads of different things lined up, but there'll be a counsellor on standby just in case. I know you are a very humble young man. I don't, you don't, you don't, you don't like to big yourself up too much. So I do want to ask you about the impact that Alfie Squad is having. Has there been a moment which has you know, stopped you in your tracks? Have you had a DM from someone or have you had someone come up to you and say something which has made you feel really proud of the work that you're doing? I've had people come up to me. I've had people message as well saying really nice things about me. And it's, it is really good to know. It's nice knowing that people think I've done something good. And so far doing Alfie Squad, mate, as we reflect on this part, what do you think it's taught you about yourself? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> So what have you learned about doing it? Have you learned anything new about yourself that you didn't think you would? Um, Public speaking or something like that? Not really. Um, and all the questions are me up on stage. I'm shaking so bad. I get so nervous doing stuff like that. I can't cope. I can't, I can't deal with it. And what plans have you got for it in the future that you, you haven't told on the podcast? So I don't know whether you've got any more plans to meet any more Everton players or, or other football clubs. <laughs> yeah, we want to go to other football clubs try and sort out across the country. I just want to get a good trip out of it, to be honest. Um, do something nice with everyone. That'd be good. Our final topic of conversation, Alfie, and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests, if we have time. It is a general natter and chat about our mental health. So firstly, on a Sunday in June, how is your mental health, mate? Good, yeah. Brilliant. And the first conversation I imagine you had with someone about your mental health was with your mum. So how did it feel once you had done it? Did it feel like on the one hand, this like massive burden and weight had been lifted off your shoulders and you felt really good? Or did it feel something quite, you know, easy and natural to do with her? To be honest, I've always been like, I've always felt able to talk to someone. Even when I feel like some, someone doesn't really care, I'll just tell them anyway, just to feel like that. I also ask my special guests about what triggers they have in life that affect your mental health. So I know you talked about how one trigger used to be any sort of mention around the word suicide, but what other triggers do you have that affect you? So it could be, for example, things people say to you, or it could be a sound or being in a particular place or environment, or have you not figured all of them out yet? No, no, to be honest, I'm not really bothered about it now, because I know it's not really that. It's not really something I've got me for. It'll come across in my mind sometimes, but I... I don't think about it much. And what positive tools do you use to help you improve your mental health, mate? So outside of football, are there any others that you found that have worked for you? And are there others that you've maybe tried but haven't worked for you? Just speaking to my mates. That's always a big one. And spend time with loved ones. Just doing whatever. Does uh, PS5, Xbox, reading, any of those help? TV shows? Just for yeah. a bit of escapism? PS5 and Football Manager for me. <laughs> You're, oh, no, mate. Football Manager. I had an addiction back when I was your age. I had to put cold turkey on. I was spending too much time on Football Manager. Do you normally do Everton or do you go and manage, you know, Brush and Munch and Gladback? I'm doing Everton now, but I've, no, it's an old season. I've just sort of went back to 
is it a nice bit of escapism for you when you're playing PS5 or do you play it with your mates or how do you how do you play it as well? Yeah, it's a good escapism. Speaking to my mates, it's good. Yeah. And when it comes to books, mate, has your mum or have you found any books that you've read that have helped your mental health too? Not really. I got given one of those mentally, but I've not read it. <laughs> Maybe you'll get around to it at some point, mate. <laughs> and this is a broad question, so don't worry if you haven't got an answer to this one, but I always ask it as well. What more do you think we have to do to ensure boys like you or men who are older than you feel comfortable and safe in talking about their mental health issues or just their general mental health if they want to do it? Just sort of make it a bit more normalised. When mm-hmm. something's like not seen as normal, people will sort of shy away from it. And so trying to get rid of that stigma would help a lot. Mm-hmm. And it helps so many people. Give them more access to places like therapy. I know that my dad was on an NHS provided therapy thing, I think. But the waiting list was so long, he didn't get his medication. His medication was due three days after after he killed himself. So speeding up the process to try and help as many people as fast as possible. Because still allowing like people to take as long as they need. And on that note, Alfie, thank you so much for coming on the Just Checking In podcast and talking to you, mate. I have a lot of excitement for what you're going to do next. I hope you reach a lot more football clubs and event will always be a support for you if you need it to. So thank you very much for talking to me, mate. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Just Checking In pod. I want to say a massive thank you to Alfie for checking in with me and telling me and you, the listener, all about the incredible work of Alfie's squad and his journey. I'll, of course, put all of the social media links and website links to Alfie Squad in the show notes so you can find out more about the work that he does. I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who tuned into this episode of the pod. If you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing at Vent, please consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash ventshelpuk or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or you can buy a Vent t-shirt or buy a ticket to the Just Checking In podcast live show. That is Friday, September 29th, 2023 at Eton Manor Rugby Club. All of those links are on our link tree as well. That's linktr.ee slash ventshelpuk. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. Vent.